Good morning, everyone. Aren't you glad to be here on the Lord's Day? Amen, amen, and amen. I am so pumped this morning for this message. Um, if you haven't met me, my name is Steve. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Center. And if you're new here today, we just want to say welcome. We are glad that you ventured into the doors and hope that you feel at home and welcome. And if you're online joining us, we're super glad you're tuning in. Just type in the chat. We'd love to connect with you. Uh, but this morning, we are in a series entitled The Land Between. And the land between is a place that exists between two circles. It's an unstable place. It is a place that is sometimes dark, and it is a place of change. The land between can sometimes uh, be referred to as the desert, or perhaps you know it as walking through a storm, or the dark night of the soul. But the land between is the space that exists between what has passed and what has yet to come. It is this in-between location where things feel a little bit insecure. You start to ask questions like, how much longer do I have to endure this? Why is this happening to me? Maybe you are experiencing a visit to this land right now. I guarantee you that if you aren't in the land between, you one day will be in the land between. But more than likely, even if you're not in the land between, you know someone that is journeying here right now. I've entitled today's message, When God Goes Dark. There are just times where it seems like God pulls back and our feelings of God's presence are no longer there. We don't feel him. It's hard to pray. It's hard to worship. It's hard to read the Bible. It's a desert. And you're parched and you're thirsty. And you just want anything, any possible sense of God's presence. And yet, it seems like he is absent. I can remember when I was just a small child, I was outside in the backyard and my dad was uh, burning in a burning barrel and I got an ash in my right eye and it burnt my eye pretty good. And so I was taken to the doctor and the doctor put some antibiotic ointment in my eye and then he did something that was kind of horrifying to me. He covered my eyes with two patches. Not just one over the injured eye, but actually both eyes were covered. And I found myself in a place of darkness. And I was in my own home, which I thought I knew pretty well, but I was uh, still a young child. And I, I can remember really struggling to find my way around, even though I knew my home pretty well. 
And I remember my parents went outside to do some errands outside, tend to the orchard or do the garden. I can't remember what it was, but I just remember being left alone inside the house. And it was pitch black. I couldn't see anything. And I wanted to go to my bedroom, and so I started trying to feel my way around, trying to find my way to the bedroom, and I struggled to find my way there in my own house. It was black. It was dark. I couldn't see. And somehow I got stuck somewhere in my own house. I'm completely blind, and I end up in this small enclosed space that I didn't even know existed in our home. And there I am, and I'm like crying out, Mom, Dad, Mom, Dad, I'm stuck. And all the while, my eyes are healing. You understand this, right? Because they're covered, I'm not moving my eyes, and so they're healing. I'm stuck. I'm a bit frightened. But in the midst of all that darkness, in the midst of all that being encased somewhere in my house where I'm not even sure where I was, I'm healing. My eye is getting stronger. It's a lot like the land between. Even though we're in a season of darkness, there can be healing that's taking place. There can be a strengthening that's happening. No one is immune from this place of darkness. As a matter of fact, it says in Luke chapter 23, it was about the sixth hour, noon, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun had stopped shining. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus on the cross at noon, suffering, and then the lights literally go out over the whole land. And then it goes on to say in another section of Scripture in Matthew, about 3 o'clock, Jesus shouted, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Lest you believe that it is just you who's going through the land between or it's just you that suddenly God seems to go dark. No, it happened to Jesus as well. We all go through seasons where it is difficult, where it is tough, when the lights go out. I remember playing ball with my son Micah, and he was just a small child, and the sun went behind the clouds, and Micah shouted out, hey, who turned out the lights? And I said, well, that was God. <laughs> God turned out the lights. And there are times where God does turn out the lights, or at least he allows them to go out. And the real big question that most of us have when we're in the land between, when it seems like God goes dark, is why? Why is this happening to me? There are 
seasons in our life that it just seems like that God cannot be found. I want to read a scripture for you out of the gospel of Matthew. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And understand, this is after Jesus had been crucified and laid in a tomb. Two of his disciples were leaving Jerusalem, going to Emmaus. You know where Emmaus was? Emmaus was the Las Vegas of Israel. They are getting out of Dodge. It was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all the things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Why would God do that? Why would Jesus go incognito and restrain their eyes? And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, uh, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people. And how the chief priests... And our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this today, it's the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Now, why did Jesus restrain himself from these two disciples? Why did he go incognito? Why did he go dark? I've thought about that. What if Jesus had come out and fully expose himself as Jesus to these two disciples. What, what would they have done? They would have jumped up and down. They would have said, he's here, he's alive. And they would have never gone through the process of what happened, which was, it says that Jesus opened up the scriptures and explained everything to them. While it was dark, they had a revelation that they would not have had had it been light. 
The prophet Isaiah, when he went through a dark season, was given a word by the Lord, and here it is. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. Now let's face it, the Bible could have chosen any bird to compare us to. But 32 times it compares us to an eagle. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're an eagle. Your other neighbor's feeling left out. Hey, you're an eagle too. 32 times in the scriptures, the Bible calls us eagles. You're going to soar on wings like an eagle. I'm sure the prophet Isaiah was relieved at that word. (sighs) I'm going to walk and not faint. I'm going to run and not grow weary. I'm going to soar on wings like an eagle. I know that would be an encouraging word for me. I mean, it's cool to be compared to an eagle. I mean, the wisest man that ever lived, Solomon, had, had this to say about eagles. There are three things that are too amazing for me. Really, four I don't understand. The way an eagle flies in the sky. The way a snake slides over a rock. The way a ship sails on the sea. And the way of a man and a woman when they're in love. First thing he says is, it's too amazing for me to see that eagle soaring in the sky. 32 times we're compared to an eagle. Pretty cool, right? Why is that cool? Well, number one, eagles have vision. An eagle can actually see a mouse two miles away. I think we have a really cool picture here. Yeah, an eagle eye. Two miles away, this eye can see a mouse. This eye is also designed so that it can stare directly at the sun. It has an an outer edge that comes uh, over the top of it. And it blocks out the harmful rays of the sun. And so that when other birds try to attack an eagle, the eagle just aims itself toward the sun and goes straight at it. And the other birds can't do it. They have to peel off. An eagle has vision. You know, as followers of Jesus, we are supposed to have vision as well. The Bible says, where there is no vision... It says the people perish, Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Eagles have vision. An eagle will fly into a storm. They'll soar into a storm. Do you understand that an eagle will actually look for storms? Because it will use the wind to lift itself up and fly higher. While other birds may flee the storm, the eagle looks for them. It's a picture of strength. Eagles have vision. They fly into storms. And here, the eagle is probably the most fiercest bird out there. And yet, it is the most attentive to its young. It takes care of its 
children, of its eaglets. It tends to them. I think of King David. King David was one of the fiercest warriors. Had spent quite a time in the land between. Developed some highly amazing skills. And you would never want to face against him in battle. And yet, if you were his child, even a rebellious child, he had endless amounts of love for you. I think of Absalom. And Absalom was not the picture of a, a good child, a good son. He actually wanted to usurp his father's throne. And yet, instead of killing him, David left. Solomon, it says that he gathered all the materials for the temple because he knew he couldn't, God would not allow him to make the temple. But he gathered all the materials for the temple so his son Solomon would have everything he needed. Now, he's a lot like an eagle. Had to face some storms. He had vision, was attentive to his young. And he wrote this scripture in Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth, your strength is renewed like an eagle. Your strength, your youth, is renewed like an eagle. It begs the question, how does an eagle renew its strength? If our strength is renewed like an eagle, then how does an eagle renew its strength? It actually goes through a season that is called molting. Molting is a difficult season. Molting is not a pretty season. What is molting? Let me give you some definitions of molting. During various times in an eagle's journey, they go through this molting process. Sometimes... It's a normal part of the maturing process, but other times it's due to trauma or injury of some kind. It's a process of shedding their feathers and sometimes even their talons. A painful process. Much like pulling off your own fingernails or toenails. Doesn't that sound like fun? Have you, has any of you ever had to do that? You stub your toe so hard. Over the next few days, it turns black and blue. The next thing you know, it's wobbling. The next thing you know, you're going, ah! Painful! And 
every time an eagle has to pull out their feather, it feels like that. They're molting. Do you understand that, that when you grow new feathers, the body requires more sustenance than normal? So here they are. They can't fly very well. They can't hunt very well. And there they are in this ugly state of molting. I think we have a picture of a molting. Yeah. This is not a happy bird right here. Sometimes they've actually witnessed other eagles coming in and bringing food to molting eagles. I don't know, can they remember what it was like to molt? To know that they can't hunt and these other eagles come in? They don't look so majestic when they're in a molting season. Your strength is renewed like an eagle, and an eagle renews its strength during molting season. It's a painful, unmajestic, dark season of an eagle's journey. And yet, every time one of those feathers are pulled out, a stronger feather comes back. Every time one of those old worn talons are pulled out, a stronger talon comes back. So that at the end of the molting season, that eagle is stronger than it was before. It's much like lifting weights. When you do a heavy lift or you do CrossFit or you do something, you run further than you you know, maybe normally do, you run a marathon, the next day you're exhausted. You can't even get out of bed. Sometimes if you've done a heavy lift, you can't even straighten your arms. Do you know what I mean? And you would think that it hasn't worked. I'm actually weaker than I was before I did this. But you would be wrong. You will actually be stronger for the lift. And that's what molting is. That's what the land between can be. Fertile soil for growth. And why does God sometimes take us through a dark season? Asked another way, why do we go through molting seasons? I want to give you a few reasons why. Number one, God wants you to be more in love with him than your feelings of him. Do you hear that? He wants you to be more in love with him than your feelings of him. If you've ever been married or been in a serious relationship or have a friendship, you go through seasons where you don't feel like loving them. The feelings are gone. It's only for a season, maybe it's a season of argument, Maybe it's a season where you're tired or exhausted or spent and the feelings are gone. But is the commitment there? See, I call it fire and steel. Fire's the flame of feelings that flicker up and flicker down, but the steel is the commitment that remains. And when you go through seasons, 
where you're molting, you are developing that steel and that commitment. And oh, it's easy to praise the Lord when they're singing a song that I like and when the, the mood is correct and the lighting is just perfect and, and all the environmental things are good and the sound is good. And I know the words and they're keeping up with the words on the screen and oh, it's easy. But what about when it's not? Don't know the song, hate the lighting, blah, blah, blah. Are you still in love with Jesus? Do you still love him? When the feelings aren't there, do you still have faith to follow him? See, that's what molting does. It gives you faith that even though the feelings aren't there, you're going to come out on the other side. Molting seasons, number two, are strong reminders that there is a better world to come. We live in a world that is fading away. This world will not last. The scriptures say, teach us to number our days. That we may gain a heart of wisdom. It also says, better is the house of mourning than the house of laughter, for it teaches us to number our days. Or, as it says in the message, it is better to go to a funeral than a party. We all must die, and everyone living should think about this. Are you living in light of eternity? Are you living in light of eternity? Do the choices you make the decisions that you come to, the goals that you put before yourself, are they things of eternal or are they things of temporal? When you go through seasons of darkness, it reminds us this is not our home. Molting builds character. Character is not built during the good times. As a matter of fact, it is in the good times that we are probably most vulnerable to coasting. But it is in the molting seasons that our character is shaped. It's when there's a mirror held up in front of us and we see the ugliness inside. It's when the Holy Spirit can really work on us and our lives and call out things and shine a light on things that are not pretty. But we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. You see, that perseverance produces character. Your molting has the opportunity. It's fertile soil to produce character. It's also fertile soil, as we talked about last week, to produce complaining, evil complaining. But what if you allowed it to produce your character? Man, I know dark times are hard. And I know that there are many people in this room that maybe you're in a season where it seems like 
God has gone dark. And it's tough. And I'm so sorry. I too walk through many of those seasons where it feels like I just need to go to sleep because at least for a moment, the pain will go away. Oh, I know all too well what that feels like. And I am sorry. But I know this. You have a high priest who has been through all that. His name, Jesus. And he walks with you. Even though he walked with those two disciples towards Emmaus and he disguised himself, Jesus is there. And he will reveal himself at the appropriate time. Molting creates empathy. You see, you'll be much more empathetic and loving and compassionate to other people because you've been through the season. The best chaplains in the world are those who have been through suffering. The best people to go to disasters are those who have been through disasters themselves because they get it. We have a high priest who can sympathize with us in all the ways of our weakness because in all points he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus knows what it's like to go, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knows what it's like to say, if there's any other way, please let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done as he's lifting lifting our burdens, lifting our sins. And now he understands and weeps with us when we weep. But I think this is the most important reason that we go through darkness. See, the Bible says that there are some secrets reserved for darkness. Secrets you'll never hear in the light. Secrets you'll never hear when it's bright out. They're reserved for darkness. The scripture says, I will give you the treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. Summons you by name. You see, there are places of darkness and places of suffering and places of molting that create an intimacy with God that you will never have in the light. There are channels of suffering that you'll go through that will take you to the very heart of God. And he wants to speak to you there. And it will be amazing. It will be miraculous. And he wants that for you. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Oh, man, did you hear that? Just bow your heads for a minute. Oh, son or daughter, God would say to you, I have something to tell you. 
I know it's dark out, but I love you. I want to speak to you. Would you just open your heart up to me? Would you just trust me in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your darkness? Would you just trust me? Would you surrender to him? You see how great is the Father's love for you. It knows no measure. This morning, if you want to fly once again like an eagle, you want your strength renewed by the Lord, just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you if that's you today. Right on. Who who needs strength from the Lord today? Just slip your hand up right on all over this room. God, we just thank you. I'm in the right place, Lord. (laughs) This is the right word for these people. Jesus, you promised to be near the brokenhearted. God, you promised to share secrets in the darkness. Lord, I pray, God, that for those that still have a journey to make in it, that you'd be with them and you'd share your secrets. You'd build their strength so that they'll come out stronger. But Lord, I do believe there are some today that have learned the lessons of the darkness and they're ready to fly. And so I pray, Lord, that they would mount up with wings like an eagle and they would fly. Let the Spirit of God fall on those people right now in the powerful name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There is no other name than Jesus. There is no greater name than Jesus. There is no one who can save like Jesus. There is no one that heals like Jesus. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. He is the all-powerful one, the one that's love knows no bounds. Jesus, we love you, Lord. Work in our lives. We trust you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father, for your great love for us. We receive it now. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.